Welcome to the Audit 15 Fund podcast. My goal of this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, I have the honor to have as my guest, David Dufat. He is the Chief Internal Auditor at Principal Financial Group based in Iowa. Welcome, David, to the podcast. It's an honor to have you on. Thanks, John. Great to be here. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to be talking about audit innovation with you here today and some hopefully thought-provoking questions we're going to be covering. And hopefully auditors will, will have a, as a takeaway different approaches to audit. So, I'll try to live up to that. <laughs> so if auditors were to create their version of, the, of Google's famed Moonshot, Moonshot Factory, which is a group that comes up with very innovative ideas, groundbreaking ideas, what should be the first project that internal auditors should work on? Hmm. Uh, well, I, you know, as much as I'd like to say that auditors will, uh, you know, do something like solve world hunger or, you know, eradicate the need for, uh, disease or, or something, you know, we're, we're probably not there, but, uh, but, you know, I think there's a lot that we can do in terms of innovation and in audit that would really be insightful, useful, and, and helpful to customers at the end of the day. Right. Uh, so when we think about what, what is it that we do as audit, we provide assurance, warning, and advice to help companies meet their strategic objectives. And hopefully those objectives are in line with, uh, with helping customers, uh, and helping the societies that, uh, that we live in. So, so I guess, you know, I would look for something, uh, in a moonshot, a true moonshot to, uh, to be a uniform or universal application of that. And, I suppose right now the sexy answer might be, uh, something to do with AI. Uh, so I, I might get there in a second, but, uh, but I don't think it's as easy as just saying, you know, deploy AI, right? Because that's, that's already upon us. So how do you do that? How do you think about AI or how do you think about the ways or the promise of the future and, and how we might think about, about deploying it? How can we materially affect, uh, the company's objectives and the, and the markets that we live in? How can we materially make life better for our customers, our employees, right? Um, and, and so when we think about deploying tools like machine learning, AI, RPA, uh, other sorts of automation, really leaning into the digital frontier, uh, as, as it were, uh, you know, I think every internal audit shop is at a different spot. Uh, in part because uh, we all have different histories, but in part because we all work for different industries, different companies uh, with different budgets. And, and so, you know, how, how would we as an industry de deploy AI to, um, to the smallest shops, right? To, to really the uh, audit, uh, internal audit department of two or three or four employees where they could really take advantage of the same sorts of, uh, systems, the same sorts of intelligence, uh, the same sorts of, um, of deep, uh, deep learning, right. That, that we'd be able to, uh, to, to use through technology and, um, and make that cost effective, right. Because most internal audit departments, uh, don't have deep pockets. Uh, so how are we able to, to really, uh, take take that and package it, I guess, into the magic box, right? That, that sort of, uh, you know, thing that really in my mind, mind would be a moonshot of sorts. Um, 
And I think the other trick there, if, if we're leaning into uh, AI, you know, it's this, you know, what do you, what do you want that AI to do for you? Do you want AI to uh, write reports for you? Uh, do you want them to write work programs for you? Probably not. I, I think, you know, one of the best things we could figure out how to do is, uh, is learning how to deploy uh, those automated resources to really be an army of auditors for us, right? And for each auditor. So it could be a staff auditor, it could be a senior auditor who really is able to uh, have at his or her disposal a uh, an accountant and an actuary and an IT professional, you know, a data specialist and and so on and so forth, right? Um, and if we're really able to, you know, to crack that and do it in a cost-effective way, uh, that could be extremely powerful in terms of, you know, making humans and machines work together to, to really come up with the, the best outcome. And I think the final uh, challenge or hurdle that that moonshot would have to overcome would really be, you have to do that on dirty data. You have to do it on data that's not in the right place. You have to do it in data that's incomplete. You have to uh, assume that most of the processes are poorly mapped and, and, you know, our customers and our clients don't actually understand all of their risks and all of the possible controls, because if you couldn't plug it into that mess, right, which is what I think most of us are dealing with in one way or another, as our companies evolve and change and grow, um, then it's really not that revolutionary, right? If, if all you can, if, if you have to wait for it to be perfect, uh, then it's really not a moonshot. Right, right. Great answer. And I like your approach about thinking about this, the, the smaller shops out there, because as you well said, not all internal audit functions, internal audit departments have a big budget. So you have to think about what are different things that internal auditors within those smaller departments can do. And I think artificial intelligence is a good one because there are free resources out there that they can use today. So Great. perfect. Thinking about, so another hypothetical question here for you, David, and this is something that I've been thinking about recently, you know, uh, just watching uh, TED Talks and imagining, you know, what if an internal auditor was up there on the stage and sh sharing something that's a paradigm shifting idea. If you were on the stage for a TED Talk, David, what paradigm shifting idea would you share? If, well, if an auditor were on a, the stage as a, at a TED talk, the first thing I would try to make sure is that everybody stayed right. Uh, I, I think, um, I'm assuming, I guess, in your question that, uh, that we're doing a TED talk to a diverse audience, that it's not an audience of auditors themselves. Right. Um, and so sadly I would start with a boring answer and then maybe I'll get something, get something a little more exciting. Right. But, uh, but the, the first paradigm, I think we still need to shift every day. Uh, is the still held paradigm that auditors are accountants. They're the same thing, right? Uh, so we are primarily interested in or strictly interested in financial data. And maybe you might sneak in some IT controls, you know, for good measure. Um, but there still is a lot of confusion. And that confusion, I think, is uh, still exists among business holders uh, or business stakeholders, um, but even regulators and sometimes the second line. So really making sure that we're helping to tell the story about, uh, you know, what it is uh, we, we do and how that really applies to all the things that the company is, is trying to accomplish, you know, all of the strategic objectives and for sure, 
table stakes, right? That we need to make sure that that the money is is uh, there and the assets don't disappear and and the financial statements you know are sound and we don't have fraud uh, occurring. But internal audit is so much more than that, and and so really to be able to tell that story in a dynamic way, I'd I'd love to do a TED talk where we were able to you know to get that across to, to folks and have them really kind of see the light there. Because I think if if regulators and if our business partners expect coverage out of out of internal audit, right, from from the strict sense of uh, if internal audit's looking at it, um, you know, we can we can rest easy. Well, that's that's only part of the job, right? I, I think you know you really want to instill a sense of excitement about if I bring the auditors in, they're going to tell me something interesting. They're going to tell me something um, actionable. They're going to tell me something new, and uh, and and so I really think that um, that that would be paradigm one, and and that's an old one, right? Uh, you know, I think the other thing, if, if we sort of think about audit, is really talking about uh, the many hats that we that we have to wear, and uh, I I work oftentimes through analogies, sometimes to the chagrin of my team, right? Uh, so we're like this or we're like that, right? Uh, but really, if we think about what auditors ought to be like, right? We ought to ask the sort of questions that journalists ask, right? We ought to have the confidence to be able to go into an area that we don't know anything about and and ask the right questions to understand the basics and understand you know, what actually might be risky and what might not be risky. And so taking a page from journalists and, and understanding how to just conduct a good interview, I think, is is important. And then you take that hat off, and and you have to tell a story, right? So you'd be a storyteller, whether that's a poet or a songwriter, right? You have to be able to really condense it down into something that's memorable, and you know that that old elevator speech, right? The ability to take complicated information and really make it something that resonates with your audience, uh, and that's a skill um, we have to persuade, like salespeople. Right. So uh, so really talking about the parallels between understanding objections, you know, why why don't you want to put that control in place? Why do you not think that that's actually a big risk? And and where there's disagreement. Yeah, we could always pull our internal audit card and and uh, wave it about uh, or we can really you know put our arm around somebody as internal auditors and say, hey, we're in the boat with you here. And um we're, you know, we're here to convince you to to move forward because we are really are invested in the company's success too. Um, you know, you sometimes are counselors. You know, as uh, as you develop that trusted relationship with um, with your business stakeholders. You know, I've had more than one uh, on some occasions say, you know, well, hey, I've just kind of spilled my spilled my guts to you about all the things I'm worried about. I feel like you know you ought to send me a bill at the end of this uh, because you just <laughs> you've just listened, right? And we have to do that. We have to have that patient, uh, calming, uh, and understanding approach. And then when all, you know, all, uh, comes to the end and, uh, push comes to shove, right. We, we have to be willing to stand on our own and tell the truth like a prophet, right? So we, um, we, you know, all hope we don't have to be in that situation, but we all need to be willing to, and we all need to have the courage to just tell the truth. Yes, very good. I think that would be a compelling TED talk, David. Never know what's going to happen, right? That's I think right. Great points, great points. And I think that's that's the beauty of the profession because it is an interdisciplinary profession. You have to 
have so many skills to be good at it. And that's what, what makes it challenging and what makes it interesting. So really, really good points there. Last question for you here, Dave, and this is going to be a fun game. I have a few uh, items, few innovative ideas or different approaches, and I'll just list the items. And as I list the items, you can say, you can give the item either a gold medal, if you think it's a good idea, or a consolation prize, if you don't think it's that great of an idea. And after we go through the list, you can kind of explain in more detail your reasoning behind each one. Ready? Right. I'm ready. Okay. First one, real-time auditing. Uh, a gold. You want me to explain that now, or you just want the answer right now? Uh, how about we do it right after? Let's right, go through the good. list, and then you can go back. Very good. RPA. RPA, uh, bronze. Bronze, okay. Culture audits? Uh, culture audits, uh, silver. Silver, okay. ESG audits? I don't know. Is there something below bronze? Uh, and, and I'll have to explain this one. It could be gold. It could be gold. But, okay. Uh, okay. But, you know, it, it, as, as you've asked the question, I'm going to go with below bronze, whatever that is. Okay. Aluminum. Aluminum. Okay. Uh, rotational programs for auditors. Silver. Silver. And no work paper approach. No work paper approach. Um, I, silver again. I'm, I'm going to be boring. Right. Okay. So now you can expand on. So real-time auditing, that was, the, that was the gold one. That was the gold. Well, you know, it's, uh, it was at Richard Chambers, I think you said, uh, you know, we need to audit at the speed of risk. And I, I you know, agree wholeheartedly. That's so hard to do. Uh, and, and it is part of that magical sort of solution when we think about things like data analytics or, or any sort of automation um, when we're trying to get in advance of, uh, of problems. Um, you know, just like anything else, a, a problem escalated and solved today is worth far more than, than one that's identified tomorrow. And so, you know, anything we can do to, to accelerate real assurance, warning or advice, I think is, is absolutely worth its weight in gold. There you go. RPA. RPA. Uh, so, you know, I think those can be useful, um, but especially as we get into the promises of, uh, of you know, just the vast field of data that we have now, it's kind of a 2005 solution to a 2025 problem. Um, you know, RPA uh, is very brittle. Uh, so again, we use it and, and I, you know, I don't want to dismiss, uh, all of the good that it can do and still does, but, but it's pretty labor intensive to keep those up and running and current as the, as the business makes changes and there's no, um, shortage of changes to come in any, in anybody's business. Yes, very good point from someone who has experience with the culture audits. I believe you had bronze for this one. Yeah, I would say, well, uh, culture audits, uh, silver. Uh, oh, silver. So, okay. uh, so the, um, you know, I think culture audits, when they're well done, are, are really great. Uh, and we need to be willing to lean into them more. I think sometimes in, in application, we will tend to, again, want to prove things. And so that leads us to sort of find things that are countable. So we want to go find out if we're doing an exit interview or not, find out if we are doing an engagement survey or not. Um, that's not culture, right? Culture is really figuring out, okay, do, do we think our company has a good culture or not? And, and you know, most companies would say, well, we think we, we do, we, it's our people that make a difference, right? 
um, okay, well, what is it? What, what's the control that actually makes that happen? Let's go audit that. Uh, and, you know, I think we, you have to do the right handholding with, uh, with HR and, uh, and other related sort of, uh, areas. But if you're able to do that, you're able to actually dial in and help them understand what their controls are that make that happen on purpose, then, you know, a culture audit can be really powerful. Yes. Great answer. ESG. This one could be below bronze or it could be gold. <laughs> below bronze, right? So if you try to do a, a quote unquote ESG audit, one audit that covers all of E, all of S and all of G, uh, I think you're, you're, you're thinking about it all wrong, right? Um, so I'm not suggesting in any way that any of these things aren't important. They're all really important, right? They're all, um, it's all part of our commitment to uh, the communities that we operate in there. It's all important to the way, uh, that companies have to have, uh, you know, responsible business. Right. Um, but really to do it well, we have to break it into its component parts. And so if anybody ever suggests that we do an ESG audit, you probably end up doing nothing more than making sure that the, that the information is accurately presented. Right. Right. I think audits again, you know, serve a much better purpose when we can prevent an environmental problem, when we can prevent uh, social issues, uh, through the, through our actions, when we can, you know, set up good governance in advance. And so you really have to split this into a whole lot of different audits and those audits can be gold. Uh, but you know, if we try to do one ESG audit, I, I'm not a big fan. Yes. Great, great points. I think that that's a, a lot of auditors need to hear that, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, hopefully different approaches here. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that one. Rotational programs for auditors. Uh, silver. So again, I, I think, um, they can be great. They can be, they can be, um, just labor, right. Depending on how you set them up. Uh, we, we use them. Uh, I I've seen great programs in other, uh, in other places. And I think it's all about the intention. Are you purposeful when you bring somebody in? Uh, are you trying to just fill extra, an extra seat because you have work to do and you're trying to find a, a body? Um, or are you really able to, to say, okay, well, what is it this person needs in their rotation through audit. So yes, they can provide us with their expertise and support and, and brain, but, uh, internal audit is such a fantastic place to take high potential folks and rotate them through with a goal. Uh, you know, the goal is to, ex to expose this person to it. They've never dealt with it before. Well, let's make sure that that's part of their 18 months or their 24 months here. Um, and we'll, we'll deliver them back to you, you know, whoever you are, right. Uh, a much more well-rounded person if we understand what it is we're up, you know, we're to do with them. Um, but again, if you're using them just as temporary labor, um, you know, you're missing some opportunities. Yes. Keyword purposeful. Very good. No work, no work paper approach silver. Yeah. Silver, bronze, go, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm losing track. Uh, but yeah, I think the, uh, no, you know, no work paper scares me a little bit. I mean, minimal work paper, I'm, I'm a big fan of, right? So, okay. I, you know, at the end of the day, we do need to get away from feeling like we need to prove every opinion we have, right? We're paid for our, our insight, our advice, our professional judgment. Um, that doesn't mean that we need to prove everything out. And sometimes we do feel like we have to prove everything and we need to look in every corner and every nook and every cranny, right? Um, we don't, we're not obligated to do either one of those things as internal audit. We do need to talk about what, what it is we have done. Um, and we need to provide enough evidence behind to, to really still allow somebody else to understand where we, where we came to that conclusion. Um, 
we don't need to leave any more in our work papers than that, right? So, so if if by no work paper we mean sort of, you know, a paperwork reduction act of sorts, uh, I, I'm all for it. Um, but I think if we have absolutely no paperwork, um, we even miss out on some opportunities like our ability to do our own debriefs and our own quality assurance and make sure that we do our own coaching. Uh, because if there's not the enough breadcrumbs behind, we really uh, could miss out on self-improvement. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right. Well, I appreciate your participation in the podcast. Thank you so much, David. Great. Thanks for having me. 